Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. Good morning. Great to see you this morning. Hope you're well. My name's Kay. I'm part of the staff team here at Central. I don't know um, how you guys are coping with the darker, longer, getting more like winter nights. Um, I wonder, I've asked this I'm sure before, whether you're more X factor or strictly, or if actually you do still have a social life on a Saturday night. I've been um, thinking about old school Saturday night television as I've prepared for this evening. Now, when I I say old school, I don't really mean um, Metal Mickey or Alo Alo. I'm clearly giving away my age there when I think that that's the the ultimate Saturday night TV. It's that programme, Stars in Their Eyes, that's been in my mind quite a lot as I've prepared for today. You know that that programme where these great wannabes would come and uh, be transformed with amazing makeup into something that looked slightly less like them and slightly more of a goofier version of the celebrity they wanted to be where they would um, step up to the mic and say tonight Matthew I want to be and then who knew we got meatloaf there this morning and who knew who was about to appear when the dry ice settled what treats you were gonna get karaoke on national Saturday night television. Well, you'd be delighted to know that when I was researching those photos, I discovered that it's coming back. 2015 holds in store for us great delights. No need for a social life. We love transformation, don't we? We love stories of rags to riches, of no one to someone. Sadly, in this country, we also have an appetite for someone to no one. But we love to see change in people. And in this short series that we're doing um, through November called Stand, I don't know what sort of transformation you feel needs to happen in you for you to be somebody who can stand stability, strength, confidence, clarity, some of the things that you might associate when you think about what it means to stand in your faith for Jesus and with Jesus. What transformation do you think might need to happen in you and for you for that to be able to happen? Well, there's good news this morning because the Bible is absolutely chock full of transformation stories changed names, changed lives. Abraham becomes Abraham. Saul becomes Paul. David the shepherd boy becomes a king. Transformation in the hands of God are completely possible. And we're going to take a little bit of time this morning to have a look at one that probably most of us can relate to that little bit better than some others. We're going to take a bit of a whistle-stop tour at the life of Peter, 
And I wonder if you would be patient with me as I jump through a few different passages of Scripture. If you've got a Bible with you, you'll need to move quite quickly, um, but it will all come up on the screen so you should know where we're at at any given time. I'm not going to try and do anything clever with the life of Peter. I just want to show you the kind of change that is possible when God gets a hold of someone and changes their hearts and fills them with his Holy Spirit. So we first meet Peter when he's called Simon and when he's a fisherman. He meets Jesus on the beach and Jesus invites him to follow him. And it's recorded in Luke 5 verses 10 and 11 where it says, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Simon's daily life is transformed immediately he meets Jesus. He's no longer going to be catching fish. Instead, Jesus says to him, he's going to be fishing for men. So transformation of Peter's life begins immediately he meets Jesus. He has a new purpose and a new focus. And Peter follows Jesus for the three years that Jesus was ministering on earth. And quite early on in those three years, Jesus speaks over Peter's life. These words that you find in John 1, 42, it says, you are Simon, because that's still what he was called at that point. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter, meaning rock. So in those words, a couple of sentences that Jesus spoke over Peter, his future is transformed. His identity is shaped and he has a purpose that is becoming increasingly clear. He is going to be somebody upon whom God's kingdom will be built someone on whom we can have confidence and trust. His life is going to be a place of stability and of strength. Peter is going to be somebody who can stand. Now, he's one of the disciples who follows Jesus. And what what is it Carl says about Peter? Frequently wrong, but never in doubt. So full of assurance that he is going to be somebody that Jesus can rely upon. He will stand when all others fall. Peter will be there, standing on water, standing beside Jesus. Whatever is needed, he'll do it. In fact, he's only just said to Jesus that he's ready to die with him when this happens in Mark chapter 14. We're coming very close to the crucifixion of Jesus, the end of his earthly life and ministry. And Peter is nearby when this is happening and he's fearful. And somebody comes and questions him and says, in Mark 14 verse 67, you also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entrance. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around them, this fellow's one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near to Peter said, surely you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the cock crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. 
an account of Peter's life that can probably only really come from Peter himself, confessing to how much he messed up, how badly he fell short, about when the moment that came for him to stand and to speak, he bottled it. He wasn't able to do it. And so the transformation that we see of Peter here is from the keen bean to the has been, no longer even able to say that he's following Jesus, no longer wanting to stand and to be identified as one who is with him, who followed him and who loved him. Transformation of a type that Peter hoped would never happen. All of his best intentions said would never happen and yet he fell, he was no longer standing. But you know, the resurrected Jesus, after his death on the cross, risen from the grave, he comes and meets with Peter in that beautiful passage. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to John 21. It says at verse 15, Jesus has sat and had breakfast with the disciples. It says, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter's recommissioned by Jesus. That fresh call comes again to follow him in the purposes that he has for his life. He's loving and caring for people. He tells Peter, it's going to be a big ask. There's going to be imprisonment. There's going to be death. And once more, Peter says, I want to stand. I want to stand and contend for the things that you have for me, Jesus. I'm in. I love you. I'll say it as many times as I denied it because I am in. Peter is being changed. He's bringing to Jesus the best that he can offer in this encounter that we read there. But I am not convinced that he is yet fully transformed in who God has for him to be. I think he's improved. I think he's much improved on the man that was questioned as Jesus prepared for the cross, but he's still only improved. He is now trusted again. He's back as a man with a purpose, back to the man renamed that day on the beach when Jesus encountered him. All of these changes, all of these transformations are significant, hugely significant, not to be underestimated, but I don't yet think we've yet seen Peter as God fully has for him. His life fully being lived in the light of the transformation, spoken over him, given to him, commissioned for him. That's yet to come, 
because there's a game changer happens in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read it all for you. Verses 14 to 24, a fabulous account of a transformed Peter. Just a little snippet of it says, then Peter stood up. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, And all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And then Peter goes on to give probably the best explanation of the gospel that occurs in Scripture. Having before been unable to even admit publicly to knowing Jesus, he stands and he says to everyone in the crowd, listen to me because I want to tell you about Jesus. This is a man completely transformed, unrecognizable from the man that Jesus came to on the beach that day because the Holy Spirit has come upon him and filled him with power. And all of the things that Jesus has spoken over him can now come into full being in the Holy Spirit's power. So the identity that Peter has been given, the commission that Jesus gave to him, the transformation that's been growing becomes fully possible as the Holy Spirit comes upon him fills him and equips him for everything that God has called him to. And so the Peter that we meet in the next chapter of Acts and right through the account of Acts, along with the other apostles, we begin to see the normalizing of a demonstration and a proclamation of the Spirit's power in healing and in miracles. So it says in Acts 3 verses 4 to 7, There's this man um, calling out to them as they walk past. Peter looks straight at the man, as did John. Then Peter says, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up to stand. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Peter transformed to who God called him to be, not just a slightly improved version of the man that he was before, but transformed from fearful and timid Peter into Peter full of promise, the one on whom Jesus was going to build his church, full of purpose and full of power. And thank goodness this morning, this transformation experience isn't just available to Peter, but it's available to you and to me. The Holy Spirit's power coming to completely transform us, not just so that we're a little bit less of what we used to be and a little bit more of what we would like one day like to be, but actually completely transformed into who God has made us to be. We're transformed in who we are. We're sons, not orphans. And Aidan was talking to us about that last week. But we're also transformed in what we're for. 
We're for God's kingdom. We're not for ours. We operate in his power, not our own capabilities. And so he calls us to stand up because of who we are. And he calls us to stand for because of this fresh purpose and calling that he's given to our lives, just as he gave to Peter. Who we are this morning and our ability to stand comes completely and nowhere else from the finished work of Jesus on the cross. My favorite, I think it's my favorite verse in scripture, Romans 5 verse 1 tells us, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Welcome in God's presence, righteous before him because of nothing other than the completed work of Jesus. And in that, we stand unshakable. Nobody can ask us to leave. No reason for us to skulk in the shadows. Sure that we've been invited in, we stand with confidence that we're invited and welcome into the presence of the King. And it's our ability to stand for something that we're going to look at just a little bit more today. What does God have us for? Well, if he has us for his kingdom and not for ours, what do we do with that? Well, in the last few weeks, I've discovered this translation. It's in the message. I don't know why I've never read it before. From Galatians 6. It will come up on the screen. I love it. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So who are we and what has God got us for? What is it that we've been given together? Well, first and foremost, as children of God, we're followers of Jesus. And so we're concerning ourselves with the ways and the words and the works of Jesus. Those are the things that God has us for. We're his followers, his disciples. So the paths that Jesus walked are the paths that he leads us into, the path that Peter walked we follow in. Jesus' mandate became Peter's mandate, becomes our mandate. There's no better explanation of that than in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. Like I say, I'm not going to do anything terribly clever with scripture this morning. I just want to show you where it is so that you would more fully understand what it is God has for us. So Luke 4, verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus says, after he's read that, that today this is fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying, I am the one who's come to make these things possible. And he begins right at the start of his ministry by being really clear what his ways, what his words, and what his works 
are going to be the words of Jesus are going to be all about kingdom. He's going to be telling you about what it looks like for him to be king and for his rule and reign to come in and to transform everything. The ways of Jesus are going to be of compassion. So he's going to be about the last, the least, and the lost. His heart is going to be for the broken, and his time is going to be given to a needy world. And the works of Jesus are going to be about transformation. So people who can't see will be able to see. People who are oppressed and imprisoned will be given freedom. Complete transformation are the works of Jesus. And right at the beginning of Jesus' life, where he, you see this mandate coming upon him, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He is all over what Jesus is doing. In uh, Luke 4, it tells us that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, tells us he was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. It says that he spoke and did these things in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he declared in verse 18 that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit of God was upon him. Jesus operating in the power of the Holy Spirit all the time all the time. Now, if Jesus operates in the power of the Holy Spirit all the time, who am I and who are we to think we can live this life in our own strength? Who are we to think that we are capable of the things that God has for us simply because he's told us or spoken it over us? When his Holy Spirit is available to us every single minute, of every single day to empower us for these things just as he did Jesus. The Holy Spirit was the game changer for Peter. Post-resurrection, post-commissioning, everything becomes possible when the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter and births these things into reality in his life. He'd already been given the authority. Jesus gave him that. He's given him it in his commission. He gave him it in the Great Commission. But he didn't yet have the power to see these things realized. The Holy Spirit makes that possible because the Holy Spirit's power is miracle power. The Holy Spirit's power is supernatural power. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to live out the very truth of Jesus so that people would see what Jesus says by the way that we live. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us and draws us to Jesus. Once we trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us and comes and lives in us. And the Holy Spirit overflows us and enables us to live the witnessing life that Jesus called us to. Jesus said in Acts 1, just before the, begin, begin, before the giving of the Holy Spirit, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria <clears throat> and to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know what you think that means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you imagine your life as some sort of big vessel, a bit like a lovely big ice cream sundae glass filled with delights that the Holy Spirit would give to you for your enjoyment. Get a big spoon and tuck in because it's time to enjoy what the Holy Spirit has for you. Now, the Holy Spirit is good 
and will bless us. But he is much, much more like that chocolate fountain that flows and overflows, not just for one person, but for the many, that he pours into our lives so that he might pour out again, so that whoever we meet and wherever we go, lives would be touched by the Holy Spirit of God because we have been there in God's name and for God's purposes. Do you know, Jesus said back in John 16 that it was better for us to have the Holy Spirit than to have Jesus. I don't know about you, but that kind of blows my mind a bit. And when I read something that blows my mind a bit and I don't really know what to do with it, it's very easy to live as though it's not true. We put it on a shelf until such a time as we think we understand it better. But we've got to keep speaking that truth to ourselves that Jesus said it was better for us to have the Holy Spirit than to have him. Now, do you know, if Jesus says that to us, then who are we to say, I get God the Father, I can relate to him, I I, I understand that. And I get Jesus, I relate to that, I can understand him. The Holy Spirit, not so much. So I just kind of leave him a wee bit off to the side and carry on my life with the other two. I do fine, thanks very much. Because that's not the option that Jesus gave to us. Jesus said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit because I am going away. And it is better that that is how it is. How do we begin to live with the purpose and with the power that Jesus had and that Peter demonstrated? How do we stand and what do we stand for? Well, it seems like the mandate that we're given is that the kingdom of God is how we stand and is what we stand for. The rule and reign of Jesus established in our hearts and our lives where we submit to the king and we allow him to be king over who we are and allow his power to determine our lives. But then we seek to have the rule and the reign of Jesus come to hearts and lives and communities and cities and nations that bring transforming power and change to people so that people would know that there is a kingdom into which that they're invited. For nobody to be in ignorance of there being a God who loves them and who makes this possible. For no one to be in ignorance that there is a kingdom coming where there will be no more mourning or death or crying or pain. For people to see the evidence of the kingdom now by lives being transformed as they see and they experience good news for the poor, freedom for prisoners, sight for the blind, and freedom for the oppressed. How are they going to see that? How are they going to see these things in our lives? They might see them in some of our communities, some of our missional communities who give themselves for these things. But how will they see it in my life and in your life in an everyday way? Well, the Holy Spirit is good and he gives and grows things in us. So the Holy Spirit grows fruit in our lives that makes the ways of Jesus possible for us because he grows in us the ability to love and to be peace bringers and to be kind and faithful and gentle 
and good and to persevere. He's changing us to love and to act like Jesus. It's possible because of the Holy Spirit. But standing for is possible because the Holy Spirit gives us gifts that equip us for this. He gives us gifts that we might stand for the things he calls us to. And he gives us gifts that we could help others to stand for the things that he calls us to. The Holy Spirit giving gifts, birthing fruit. Because when people like you and me take really seriously this mandate to be the bringer of God's kingdom wherever we go, when we take Jesus at his word and we ask for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us for everything, we do none of it ourselves. We choose not to rely on our own capacity and capability, but we rely on the Holy Spirit for everything. So we actually choose to empty ourselves of the things of our own kingdom. We choose to do that in times of prayer. We choose to do it when we come here on a Sunday, but we actually choose to do it every time we notice that we've started to fill our lives and our focus with the things that are of our kingdom and we've forgotten the things that are of God's kingdom. So we choose to empty ourselves of selfish ambition. We choose to empty ourselves of using other people for our own ends. We choose to empty ourselves of comfort. Instead, we say, Lord, we want your kingdom to come. We want to be brave. We want to give ourselves for things that will last. We want to give ourselves for your purposes and we want to do it in your power. And so because of fruit being grown and gifts being given, the ways and the words and the works of Jesus become increasingly ours, spoken and demonstrated and lived out in our way, in a Jesus way. So with our skin and our personalities and in a Jesus way. So wherever we are, for that school, we can seek to bring beauty through the things we make and create that demonstrate kingdom to people. When we choose to love the people that nobody else has got time for, we bring in kingdom because we show the ways of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. When we're at work and we seek to bring justice for others rather than worry about our own rights and our own safety and promotion, we bring peace in relationships with other people rather than gossiping or backbiting. We bring kingdom and we demonstrate the ways of Jesus. In our families, in our neighborhoods, when we seek to bring transformation at the deepest level, when we love people incredibly well in ways that go beyond the way we normally could, when we ask and dare to pray for people, when we pray with them and not just for them, when we put ourselves in places where we're saying, I can't do this, but I know a God who can, and I'm up for asking him, are you in? Will you be happy for me to do that? then the Holy Spirit has the freedom to change lives because whatever we do with our everyday lives, we have the potential to see God's kingdom come where we are, whatever we do. We do not have to wait for that magically suitable job description or set of circumstances that's got kingdom values written all over it to be somebody who is the bearer of the kingdom in that place. We do it with our ordinary everyday lives. So we do much, much more specifically 
what Paul said in Galatians 6. It's going to come back up. We've thought about what this means for us all together. But actually, what does this look like for each one of us to make a careful exploration of who we are and the work that we've been given? What are the things that God is growing in you? What are the gifts that he's giving to you? What can you do that nobody else can do? Where do you go that nobody else goes? Who are the people that you love that nobody else is loving in quite the same way? What does God have for you? Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others who might have the job description that looks like it's covered in kingdom values. Don't compare yourself with them. Sink yourself in to what God has for you. And each of us must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. What does it look like for us to do the things that God has for us now and to do it with everything that he's given to us, the fruit that he's growing and the gifts that he's giving in the spirit's power and for his kingdom. Loving our colleagues, loving our neighbors, loving the world. And that's why every day at 12 o'clock, we're invited to pray wherever we are. So that wherever we are every day, we pray these words. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right here now, right where I am now, right with these people that I'm with now, right here on my own now. Lord, would your kingdom come in me, through me, to these people around me, that everything else I go to do from here on would be kingdom and people would know and would see that. Wherever we are, don't just have to pray it at noon, but it's a great way to stop and to say, Lord, your kingdom can come here and I long for it to come here today. Lord, would you use me? And so Jesus says, if we want to see his kingdom come, it starts on our knees. It starts in that place of prayer, of inviting God's kingdom to come, emptying ourselves of our own and inviting him to come. No other king, no other kingdom. So we lay down the things that we would bring that think equip us for great ministry, for for successful witnessing, for a fantastic missional community that will change situations. We lay those things down and we come again and we say, we want the change that we long to see come, that transformation that isn't just improvement, but is complete transformation. It's only gonna come in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I empty myself of my own competence and I give everything to you You fill me with your Holy Spirit and then I pick up everything that you've grown in me and given to me and I use it for your purposes. Whatever he has for us tomorrow, nine o'clock, wherever you are, an opportunity for God's kingdom to come. It's great this morning that we're going to be um, celebrating the Lord's Supper together. What better way to remember that there is a kingdom that is so completely other 
to the way that we would build kingdom because we see it was established by a man who had his body broken on a cross and his blood poured out for us. So I'm going to pray for us just now and then we're going to just have time to come and to kneel before the king, to allow him to refocus us that it would be his kingdom and not ours, to come in weakness and availability to eat at a table and to go from here changed because the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrected Jesus, not just the crucified Jesus, lives in us. Let me pray for us before we do that together. Holy Spirit, we've welcomed you already this morning. But we ask you to come afresh and to fill each one of us. Maybe you would put out your hands as a a sign that you are ready and wanting the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us? We are sorry where we can think of places and situations and times where we have operated in our own strength, where we've gone for improvement over transformation. And we confess to you now that we can't do it and we don't want to do it in our own strength. You know how we failed. You know how we've fallen. You know how we've stood in our own strength And we say, Holy Spirit, this morning, we want to stand in your power. Would you come and would you fill us? Would you fill us so that we can stand in our workplaces, in our families, in our friendship groups, in our communities? Father, we thank you that the place we're first invited to stand is in your presence. And we pray as we wait on you, Holy Spirit, that you would so fill us that the people and places that we go to in the week to come would be completely transformed. You'd help us to see differently what you're doing there. You'd help us to see differently why you have us there. You'd help us to see people with new eyes. You'd help us to see opportunities that we didn't see before. Lord, would you bring transformation to our situations that we would see And then would you bring transformation by your spirit's power in us and through us. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the life that you lived. Thank you for how you show us what it looks like to trust in you, Holy Spirit. We want no other way than the Jesus way.
And so we say again this morning, Jesus, that you are our king. It is your kingdom that we stand for and your power that we go in for your glory. Amen.